a look at college football news, analysis, and insight from around the Sunshine State. This is Florida Football Insiders, a part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Jason Powers. All right, welcome to the Week 11 edition of the Florida Football Insiders Podcast, presented by Beefo Brady's. Uh, Beefo Brady's here on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue here in the Tampa area over in Carrollwood and Bush uh, Forest Hills area. Again, Himes Avenue and Bush Boulevard is the intersection where Beefs is located. Give you a a programming note. We are going to be out out at Beefs on Saturday, the uh, November the 12th. This coming up Saturday around two o'clock, two to three 30 or so. We're going to be talking some, uh, we're going to do our game day live uh, broadcast. We're going to be doing a live streaming show from beef O'Brady. So if you're in the area, I'd love to love to hear from you. Come on out. We're also, like I said, we're going to be streaming it live on my Facebook page uh, as well as a couple other platforms. So go to my Facebook page, Jason powers, and we'll be, we'll be live streaming. Love to hear from you. Um, come out and visit. Watch your favorite team play on Saturday. Again, Beefo Be- Brady's is a great place to watch. Again, whatever sports you, you like, whether it's uh, football, basketball, hockey, you got the World Cup coming up here in a couple weeks. Great place to go watch all that stuff uh, over there on Bush and Heim. So uh, we will be out there for game day live on Saturday. We'll have a couple of guests uh, for for you guys as well as part of the uh, the, the 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 live stream. So uh, check it out Saturday. 2 o'clock to about 3.30 Eastern time. A couple things. Hope everybody is safe from the storm. I know the storm is heading towards the East Coast. Uh, Hurricane Nicole. So hopefully everybody's uh, safe and gets through the storm okay. And again, hopefully we'll provide a little bit of uh, relief and levity for you here as we head into the weekend. I know some people will be impacted by the rain and the weather coming to the East Coast of Florida and throughout all over Florida with the rain that's coming through. So also Friday is Veterans Day. So Remember, um, hopefully, uh, if you know a veteran in your family or in your inner circle, definitely give a shout out to all those uh, active and retired military personnel and obviously all the uh, people that have made the ultimate sacrifice for all of us to enjoy the freedoms that we do here in the United States. So don't forget Friday and Veterans Day. So make sure you thank somebody over the weekend. Uh, Most of us know somebody in our family that probably has some military, if not very close to us that do. So got a good episode for you this week. Uh, We're going to talk to Coach Jim Levitt as well as uh, Matt Merchell from the Orlando Sentinel. We're going to talk to Matt about some Florida State and Central Florida uh, news. Uh, Central Florida's got a huge game this week. Florida State coming off the big win against the Hurricanes. Uh, We're going to talk to Coach Levitt about uh, the games last week, several upsets, Alabama LSU, Notre Dame Clemson, Georgia Tennessee, college football playoff, as well as some stuff in the state of Florida uh, that's going on with some with some matchups. Um, but before we get to Coach Levitt and Matt, I just want to highlight uh, USF did relieve Jeff Scott of his uh, coaching duties on Sunday. Um, you know, it was, it's a, it was two and a half years or so, a little over two and a half years. Coach Scott really struggled to, uh, you know, get it going. I know he when he joined USF it was right before COVID started, so he was kind of, uh, up against it early on there, uh, worked through it, um, you know, and just has not been able to to, to win enough games against non-FCS uh, opponents. And again, we've talked to Coach Levitt over the course of the season, and, you know, when it comes to coaching moves and stuff like that, these administrators, 
athletic departments and universities, unfortunately, you get most of the time you're going to get judged on wins and losses. And this was just a situation where they kept getting beat. It's not that they were losing games. It's they were just getting really manhandled in some games against some teams that they should have been more competitive against. The final straw was last weekend at Temple. Gave up 56, I think 55 or 56 points to a Temple team. That's not very good. Um, you know, so just in, in just they've, they've really – Coach Scott and his staff have really struggled on defense since he's been there. Really had a uh, tough time creating any uh, momentum on defense as far as stops, things like that. Whether it's a scheme issue, whether it's a personnel issue, probably a little bit of both. Uh, but, again, um, Coach uh, Jeff Scott let go by USF on Sunday. Uh, Daniel DePrado, the special teams coordinator – uh, is has been named the interim coach. Ernie Sims has been named the new the new defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator John Shoup was also let go as part of the move. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where USF goes from here. This is a big hire for coach uh, for athletic director Michael Kelly. Yeah, um, you know most athletic directors don't get to make a, more than one or two coaching hires in their tenure before their. Um, as not, you know, no longer the athletic director. A couple of interesting things about the, just the USF program in general. To me, it's a, it's an opportunity here. Uh, they've got a brand new indoor facility that's that's all but finished there on campus, right there by the uh, on campus. So a nice addition there. They've shown the propensity to spend some money on the coaching staff. Uh, Coach Scott was making a pretty good salary. So, uh, but facility wise, they're making upgrades. The area they have to do is they've got to recruit better. They've got to recruit more smarter. I don't know, you know, they, I know they went pretty pretty heavy in the transfer portal this last offseason, got their quarterback, got some other guys. You know, whether those guys have worked out or not, it's hard to tell. Uh, but you gotta you gotta recruit this area, this part of the state of Florida. And the other part you have if you're South Florida, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of success going on all around the state of Florida, other than Florida State and maybe some Central Florida, all the other teams in the state of Florida are kind of struggling. FIU, FAU, Miami's struggling. Florida's kind of just getting going again with Billy Napier. So there's an opportunity here. If you make the right hire, get a guy in here that can really recruit the state of Florida to keep some of these guys that might go to some of those other schools, can keep them in the Bay Area. Um, some names you've heard just bandied about. Some, some of the names you've heard Tom Herman's name. You've heard some speculation about potentially John Gruden. That's that's going to be a tricky one with Coach Gruden, only because of all the things not away, not on the football field, but away from the football field. All the stuff, all, all the trouble, all the issues that have come up when he got relieved with the Raiders. Again, would that be a home run hire if he was able to take the job and wanted the job, and, and things were cleared up on his end as far as some of the off the field stuff? Absolutely. But I don't know if, again, that's probably going to be a decision the Board of Regents and, and the university president are going to make more so than, than athletic director uh, Kelly over at USF. Tom Herman's an interesting name, the former Texas coach, former Houston coach, got a lot of pedigree, got a name. He's won some games. He's done well. Um, you know, obviously, U, USF went down that road with the Texas coach before with Charlie Strong. But again, Tom Herman's a name, another name. Um, you know, you've heard some other guys and some assistant coaches, things like that from other programs. I think if you're Michael Kelly, you got to hire somebody with some head coaching experience and successful head coaching experience. You can't take another chance on, on an assistant coach or, an, or, or a coordinator who's not done it. And then you struggle for the next three or four. You need to find somebody that can turn this thing around in one or two years. Um, whether it's recruiting, transfer portal, whatever, 
you got to have some success here in the next couple of years if you're USF. You can't have another three or four year rebuilding project um, if you're if you're the USF Bulls because again, people are you know the comp people keep going this way as far as funding it, as far as the competition level. Uh, USF was le- left out of the Big Twelve. UCF's going to the Big Twelve. That's a blow to USF. USF's in the AAC. They got to become a factor in the AAC here sooner rather than later. The one name that you know you hear people bandying about is Coach Jim Levitt. You know, obviously, we talk to Coach Levitt every single week. Um, I've not had any conversations with Coach Levitt about about this about the position, the opportunity, whether he'd be interested. I know there was a history with Coach Levitt getting let go uh, 10, 12 years ago. I know there was the story that you know why he got let go. I don't know who knows what the truth is. I don't know what all the, the situation is. Obviously, Coach Levitt and USF had a settlement after the fact. Uh, he was after he was let go, a financial settlement, and he and coach sued the university. So I don't know how that would play into into any potential consideration for Coach Levitt. I know Coach Levitt loves the Tampa Bay area. Just talking to him, I can just tell how much he loves being here. He grew up here. He's obviously had success in the in the coaching world, both as a head coach and a coordinator. So I don't know what Coach Levitt. Um, uh, what's it, what his, what his, what any interest, would he have any interest in it? If he was even approached, I don't know what the university, we don't know what the university's position is with coach Levitt, if he would even be considered for that. So um, again, you're going to hear J- coach and I talk here. We've talked every week. He's been open and honest about a lot of things, but again, this is not a topic that I'm, you know, it's, it's not appropriate for me to ask him all this stuff at this point of the game. If he ever becomes a, a candidate, you will know it through the media You'll hear it through Coach uh, Michael Kelly if he gets if he were to get interviewed or considered for an interview. All that will happen in due time. Uh, I know Coach Kel- uh, Athletic Director Kelly did make it in, in his press conference a point to say he wanted to have somebody hired before like first of December, right around the first of December, because I believe that's when the recruiting period starts again. When si- uh, leading into signing day, yeah, I think he wants to have somebody in place for that period of time to really get after it on a recruiting base you don't want to miss out on another recruiting year uh, by not having a coach in place so I think you're going to see a coach in place probably by Thanksgiving week probably at the latest um, because that's when the regular season will end and all that stuff so uh, good luck to coach DePrada in the last three or four weeks there at USF never know he could be a candidate as well if he does does very good work I've had the privilege to be able to work some of their practices over the years with coach Scott, Scott and his staff very professional staff, very buttoned down. Um, you know, I know Coach DePrada a little bit. He'll do a good job these three or four weeks that he's there, and maybe he'll be considered a candidate for the job as well. So just wanted to give you an update on the USF situation. And, again, I don't know. I don't have any inside information uh, re- relative to that. So enjoy our chat with Coach Levitt and Matt Marshall. Florida Football Insiders podcast. And again, we have a, it's not the best week of college football, but again, Coach and I and Matt and Rochelle and I get into some good conversations and you'll enjoy it. So stick around. We'll be right back in just a minute. Florida Football Insiders, Coach Jim Levitt, right on deck. Hey, guys and girls, with the college football season getting to the holidays here in November and December, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their lo- loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have on our shows from the Go- College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network and here in the Florida Football Insiders Podcast, as well as the Powers on Sports Podcast. 
you'll receive 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you'll get an additional $125 to play with. $200, you'll get $250 to play with, and so on and so forth. BetUS also has all the NFL, World Cup, NHL, NBA, and even college basketball that's about to tip off here in the holiday season, as well as almost any other sport you can think of. But we all know you are college football fans at heart, as well as NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST. 22. Bet US, you bet, you win, and you get paid. College football fans, we know that the season is winding down. Bowl games are in the near future, as well as the college football playoff. And we know you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. Take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Ticket Smarter is partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner with the best selection of college football tickets. Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with Ticket Smarter's mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. In addition, we've got an additional offer for you for those of you that are listening as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network and the Florida Football Insiders Podcast. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more, and that code isn't just for a one-time use. You can use it as many times as you'd like during the college football season to see the biggest games left to be played. Check out the selections, pricing now with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. All right, welcome back. Florida football, uh, the Powers on Sports podcast and Florida Football Insiders podcast coach and the kicker segment. Week 11, we have got, uh, we are getting to the wild, wild finish. We had a wild weekend over the weekend, a couple big upsets. We had uh, a, a former defending national champion stamp their ground. They're still, they still are the best team in America. And no better person to talk to with about all these doings. We had some good stuff in the state of Florida, Florida State, Miami. We had a big win out of Florida. We had another coaching uh, situation over the weekend here in the Bay Area. But Coach Jim Levitt, welcome back, Coach. Jason, it's good to be back. But unbelievable games. I mean, I you know, I watched the LSU game a little bit with uh, with Alabama. And Alabama's not going to, you know, they're not in the – people say they're not going to get to playoffs, but – how do you honestly, you know, believe that they're maybe not one of the best four teams? I mean, they lost in overtime at Tennessee. They lost in overtime at LSU. Uh, they're awfully good. It's the kind of team you would not want to play in a bowl game, you know. Uh, and, of course, they've got they've got Ole Miss this weekend. I know I went off yeah. on a little bit of a tangent there, but, I mean, that, that was unbelievable. And what happened with Georgia, um, you know, I, I thought – might happen a line of scrimmage and just too strong you know let's start there let's start at alabama lsu um 
great game, night game in Death Valley. That's always worth a couple of points just to the crowd and the energy and all that stuff. But give Brian Kelly credit. He kept his team in the game. Their defense played really well. They didn't allow Alabama any, any big explosive plays. They grinded out the game, and that fourth quarter was a wild fourth quarter. I think four lead changes in like the last seven minutes. Both quarterbacks, your guy, the guy we've talked about a couple times, Jaden Daniels played really well, made plays with his legs and his in his arm, and just talk about the LSU defense. Well, it, it, no question. I thought LSU did a great job. Certainly Brian has done a great job with that program and his staff. And, you know, of course, I've gone up against Brian Kelly a number of times when he was at Cincinnati. Great games. We always had great games. Always came down to the wire for the most part. The um, uh, but Daniels, you know, he's the difference to me. He's he's that good. And you know, I watch him all the time. I watched him at Arizona State when they went beat Oregon after Oregon dropped him. And um, uh, and then what he's done at LSU and the way LSU has built, you know, right now, you know, there's a lot of argument that you know that they're not one of the best teams in the country and. Yeah, they're just they're just hitting a great stride at the right time, and certainly the defense did a great job. But you know, Alabama moved the ball. They had some. I mean, their their quarterback is special. You know, he he made some unbelievable throws. Yeah, he moved out of the pocket. He kept his eyes downfield and made yeah. some incredible throws in that game too. I now that those are two great teams. I mean, two great teams. Uh, it ended up being kind of like I thought it would be. Let's talk you know. about over. Let's talk overtime. So Alabama gets the ball. They score, go up seven. First play that LSU gets the ball. Daniels runs twenty-five yards for a touchdown. I think. I think had they not scored on the first play, that they might have kicked the extra point. But with all the momentum of him running twenty-five yards for a touchdown, I think that made the decision a lot easier for Kelly to go for two. Usually, you tell me more. Of this as the head coach, the home team wants to go for one and extend the game. Usually it's the road team that might go for two to try to win. What were your thoughts of Brian Kelly saying, nope, we're going for two right now to win the game? Well, obviously it works, so he made the right decision. <laughs> I mean, those big decisions. Big cojones. you got to have some big cojones to do that. And right. you won at LSU, an LSU and Alabama game. Well, it's just like my first year at South Florida, we played Georgia Southern. Very first first, first year, last game. They hadn't had a – they hadn't had a uh, – I mean, they'd won like 100 games in a row. I mean, they were powerhouse. We had 18 true freshmen playing. Right. Came down to the end of the game, and I went for two because I didn't want to keep going with them. Kind of like Brian Kelly, we didn't get it. And the media right. asked me, game, he goes, if you could do it all over again, what would you do? I said, well, I certainly wouldn't go for two because we didn't make it. <laughs> so Brian Kelly um, made it, worked out. But those are decisions that are tough. You just, you, you, you it's a gut feeling. You know, he felt like probably had momentum, felt like he, you know, but his comment was where he didn't want to, um, he didn't want to keep going with uh, playing with Alabama. And uh, I understand that. So made the right decision. Uh, Daniels got out to the right side, uh, kept the play alive. And, you know, I think threw it to the right to the pylon there and they got the two. Threw it to Jason's ta Jason Taylor's son, who's the freshman tight end. Yeah, a touchdown pass, and he's the one that called the two-point conversion. And obviously, Jason Taylor, his son, played at St. Thomas Aquinas down in South Florida, so some Florida connections there as well. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, it worked out great. Those, those are tough decisions, and, you know, they're still parting down there in Baton Rouge. You know that. 
and they're uh, and they're and they're square in the in the hunt now to make the playoff. They're probably going to get to the SEC title game and probably well not. I mean, they still got to win a couple more games, but they're in the driver's seat in the West to to, to set up a matchup potentially with Georgia. Two loss LSU could be in the playoffs. Yeah, you know what? Um, you make a good point. They want Georgia to be undefeated. Yes, and they, and that's your only chance. And to and to beat Georgia, they're in. Uh, if they beat Georgia, they, they're in. Alabama beat Georgia. They they could get there. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Tennessee, Georgia. You mentioned that kind of the, the in the trenches. The other part of the game plan I noticed watching the game on on TV, the man Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp said we're playing man to man. Our DBs are going to cover your DBs. You're either going to beat us or you're not. And their DBs for Georgia were outstanding in the coverage against that uh, that interesting formation that Tennessee runs. That spread that really spread wide wide formations they run. Talk about that as a defensive guy. Well, they're trying to spread you out, obviously, and put everybody on islands. And, and usually, what it opens up the run game, you know, a lot of times. That's where Baylor, you know, had so much success in in back in the day and. Uh, what a great coach they had. I know he went through a, a lot of different things, uh, but as far as football coach, he, um, but anyway, th- that's the whole thing. And it's not hard. It's not complicated at all. You know, if you can match up the receivers, uh, if you can play with a light box, you know, then you're going to have some success. And uh, you know what, what, um, what, you know, by being able to play man on the perimeter, they'd be able to load the box up enough, stop the run game and, you know, and, and, you know, c- contained the quarterback and did a great job. I mean, they really did. Uh, again, the system at Tennessee runs, I don't think it's complicated. It's just right, like getting people way out on the sidelines and spreading people out and putting people on islands. And hopefully your athletes are better than theirs. And their quarterback's so dynamic. You know, Tennessee's can run and throw. Yep. And you know, it's always a, a pretty good thing to have, you know. So, but Georgia's just too strong. And their quarterback, I, I was so impressed. I was going to say, yep. With Georgia's quarterback. I, and he probably felt pressure. Everybody talking about a Tennessee quarterback. And he probably wanted to sh- you know, show, hey, listen, you know, we're still we're still one of the best teams out there in the country. So don't slight uh, us. And they're playing in Athens, you know, at home. So, you know. Stetson Bennett is an older guy. He's like 25 years old. Plus, he's, you know, he's been through the, the, the national championship run last year. He was spectacular. He was right on the money. He hit the big the big plays that were there to hit. He hit them. Hooker missed a couple of throws deep that he had guys open. Would have been touchdowns that he missed where Stetson Bennett didn't miss the throws. Yeah, I know his receivers went up and made some great catches too, you know. So, I mean, Georgia needs to be number one. They, yeah. You know, they serve it. And uh, I don't even know what the rankings are right now. I don't do they – they come out yeah. tomorrow, Tuesday. They'll come, come out, out on Tuesday night. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see where TCU ends up also with you know, being undefeated. And, you know, you just don't know if TCU's got the defense to get them in the top four. But we'll see. They play Texas at Texas this week, which will be a, a yes. test. Yeah, the two teams. Yeah, I want to mention the two teams you're, you're familiar with, TCU and Oregon. You know those guys well. Right. Coaches. TCU just keeps winning. They're not winning pretty. They're winning a lot of close games. But again, they keep they're in a good conference. And I think if TCU finds a way to win all their games, they're going to make the playoff if they win them all. Well, TCU has a, an established quarterback. And of course, like I said, when I was at SMU last year, we beat TCU at TCU. And right. boy, they had a they had a heck of a team. All those guys are back, you know. So Coach Dykes kind of inherited a pretty good group. And and their defense is playing good enough. 
You know, they're they're just hanging in there, making enough plays to win the games. But it's all about the offense at TCU and the explosiveness with the quarterback and receivers and the running back. You know, they got they've got a good group there, and Riley's doing a good job you know, running the offense. And so, you know, they've uh, we'll see what happens now. Oregon, still you know, in it. they're still in it too. Hold on, and they play Washington this week, and that's always that used to be a huge game when I was at Oregon. Yeah, uh, and it still is. Uh, Washington has lost a little bit of, of uh, you know, they were doing so well so Early, lost, yeah. uh, lately, but it'll be a it'll be a heck of a game. It'll be a very good game. And for the member for the fans here in the state of Florida, the quarterback at Washington, Michael Penix Jr., is a Tampa kid. He went to high school here in Tampa, so lefty, really good player. So they, yeah, you that is a big route. You know that area well. Other than Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon, Washington is probably Oregon's huge, big rivalry out in the Northwest. Well, you know, you always got Oregon State, but we beat Oregon State all the time. And, of course, <laughs> Oregon State's much better now, though. They are. Brian Lindgren's their offense coordinator, doing a great job, and I, I like their head coach, Smith. I think he's – I know him. I think he's really, really good. He was the OC at Washington when Peterson was there when we played right. Right. and beat Washington with Peterson. Peterson, one of the great head coaches, yeah. you know, Ever. And uh, so for us to beat Washington uh, and Peterson's head coach was a was a big deal. You know, it's a, it'll be it'll be a big, big game. Yeah. No doubt. And you saw and last thing we'll, and then we'll get to all the state of Florida teams here. Clemson finally, finally self-destructed with the quarterback situation. The quarterback playing the offense has just not been good enough there. And they finally I won't say got exposed, but they finally just ran out of the defense didn't play elite. They gave up a. We talked special teams. Notre Dame blocked a punt for a touchdown. I think in that game, just they finally, you know, the offense finally couldn't deliver for Clemson. No, yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, the quarterback they've had has never been as good as some of the quarterbacks they'd had before. Right, and they won uh, in spite of them. You know, and he's not a bad quarterback, but not the elite quarterback they've had, and. Uh, you know, you're right. They they finally now they'll have to it'd be interesting to see how Clemson how they what they do now with right. the quarterback. Right. Because that'll be real interesting because they now they've lost. Uh they're gonna have a hard time. You know, I mean they feel like they could probably still get in the playoffs and they they're can't not they, getting in. They now, don't have any quality wins. They don't have else and no and nobody else to play. Right. But you know what? You don't know because if they you know, all they can do is control what they can control, and that's right. to keep winning. And if they keep winning, uh, you know, see what happens with those other teams in front of them. You know, you just don't know. It's it's an interesting year. You know, Alabama's got two losses. Would a Clemson one-loss team be better than an Alabama two-loss team? How about LSU two-loss team? Clemson, right. the arguments. But, uh, you know, of course, we talked about already, LSU going in, if they beat Georgia, Georgia undefeated, that's – They're going to be in. The, you would think. They're they're going to be the interesting question is going to be Tennessee. If ten obviously if Tennessee wins the rest of their games, one loss Tennessee, they're not going to the SEC title game. Do they still have a chance of getting into the playoff? One loss, they beat Alabama, they beat LSU badly in Baton Rouge. They've got two huge wins on their resume. You know they beat a good Pitt team, who you know Pitt's a good team historically. They've always had a good program. So Tennessee is going to be the one that's could get left out that has the best resume, to be honest with you. Well, if Tennessee wins the rest of their games, you would think they'd get in. I mean, they've won one lost Georgia team, you know, and uh, of course it'll be interesting if, 
because Georgia, if they get beat by LSU, if LSU got in and the way right. Tennessee LSU, right. how do you see it? You right. know, so and if Georgia wins out, the only loss Tennessee has is to Georgia. So it's like anything. Don't worry about all that stuff. If you're yeah. a player coach, focus on the next game yeah. and win. Just win. <laughs> did, did you ever think, Coach, when you were in that, when you guys were highly rated um, those couple of years, did you ever have to think of style points when you were in a game? When you're thinking, man, we need to keep we need to keep pouring it on somebody here. You know, you're going to win the game comfortably, like a team like Ohio State last week. They played in rough conditions against Northwestern. They were like a 38, 39 point favorite, only and only win the game 21 to seven. Yeah, you win the game, but do you ever worry about style points when it comes to the ratings? And now that there's a committee, did you ever think about that even during the game situation like that? No, I mean, no, because certainly when we were you know, when we were number two in the country, um, there was such, you know, we had never been anywhere like that. Yeah. You know, we had never been in that situation, you know. So, you know, I was just trying to get our guys to focus, you know, like always on the, try to stay away from all the media, away from all the hype right. and focus, you know, solely on, on uh, the next game, you know, which was Rutgers and everybody knows, you know, how we lost that game. And that was, uh, I mean, we lost three in a row in the last play of the game. Then we came back and played really well. You know, beat Pittsburgh really bad, uh, beat Syracuse, uh, and we beat uh, Louisville, I think, to get to play Oregon in that bowl game. But, you know, the next year we were 10th in the country in the BCS. A lot of people don't realize that. We're number two. Yep. The one year, the next year we were 10. Right. And yes, the next year after that, we're 18 in the BCS. Uh, right. So we were always early in there, but October was always sometimes a tough month. But no, we never, we never were in that situation. And, um, if you're in Alabama and at Clemson, you know, where they've been apparently in there, you know, or I don't think you probably think about it a little bit, you know, maybe sometimes they do, but I know we, that never happened with me. <laughs> All right, let's get to the state of Florida. Um, first thing we'll, we'll just, we'll just mention it and get it out of the way. USF relieves Jeff uh, Scott of his duties on Sunday afternoon during the, the Buccaneer uh, Rams football game, um, you know, struggle, struggle for coach Scott. They lose over the weekend to Temple. They give up, I think, fifty plus to Temple. Um, lose in Temple. It's just not. They've just not like you've talked about. They've just not won enough games. Um, you know, we're not going to comment on Coach Scott. We're just going to mention the just not winning enough games, losing your job. Talk about just the the reality of the coaching business. You've been in your whole life. Just talk about the reality of sometimes things like this happen, and, you, and you're going to get fired. Yeah, you know, and Coach Scott knows that. You know, he he's well aware of that. He's a good man, and I've I've known him. I've known his dad, Brad, yeah. for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, you know, you talk about the Temple game. You know, I was uh, I thought it would be a close game. Everybody thought they were going to go up yeah. there and just beat them. And I said this: that's not an easy place. You go into a big stadium. There's not going to be many people in the stands. You don't know what the weather's going to be like, and. Uh, that's not gonna be easy i was surprised that it wasn't you know they, they went down right away offensively did a very good job right and i thought that you know hey this you know they probably have a real good shot maybe they'll win this game but you know it's the same thing they, you got by defense and um you know they just the bottom line whether it's personnel whether it's i don't know the defensive staff i i'm, I'm not in the room with them i don't know right. how they were or were not i don't know those things um there uh but i'm sure there's a lot of things involved i'm sure it's a real personnel problem they probably got a lot of injuries on top of that uh and then maybe they 
maybe the whole staff wasn't on the same page, which you have to be to have a chance. You, you just have to go in one direction or you're not, you're not going to have any chance at all. Um, and, um, and, and it's always about the players, you know, how do, it's you, always- how do you coach? How do you handle the morale of the team? Obviously the team knows that it's, it's the season's not going well. The coach is gone. How do you hold up the morale? And more importantly, now with the transfer portal, such an, such an impactful part of college football, how do you try to keep guys from not starting to look elsewhere? Potent- potentially, who knows if these, which of these players have options to go somewhere else? Who knows? But w- how do you keep the morale in these last three weeks of the season? Well, like I've always said, you be honest with the guys. You know, I had the situation. I was interim head coach at SMU. We were going to play Virginia uh, in the bowl game, in the Fenway Bowl. And, uh, you know, you have a, a staff that leaves, other people coming in. It's, it was It was really – it was difficult, but I got through it pretty well because I was just honest with players, you know, and, and you just got to be honest with the players here, you know, the opportunity to play the game of football, first of all, is a, is a, is a blessing, yeah. you know, you're even to have a game. Some guys, some guys get hurt. They get, they, they lose opportunity to play uh, for one reason or another. You have an opportunity to play another game against a very good SMU team and uh, a home game. Right. And, you know, just the opportunity alone is a big deal. You know, and, and, and the next thing is you got to play for your seniors. To me, if you really if you ever really have a team that cares about each other, you don't want the seniors who are not going to – most of them are not going to play ever again. And they're probably not going to play. They've only got one more home game against Central Florida. Right. You know, every opportunity you, you play for those guys, you know, and, and fight for them. Uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. And if you, if you want to go in a transfer portal, you want good film? <laughs> go that's true. I'll that's true. Well. That's well, true. well, it's just not any different than the exhibition games in the NFL. You know, a lot of those guys that are street agents or that were on our team at the 49ers, I tell them, listen, you want to play well no matter what. That's you want true. to make this team or you want to make another team. So, and it's so much like the free agency out there in college anymore. You want to play well just to help your uh, resume. You know? so, no, you're right. That's a great point. Do well. Uh, but either way, nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to get beat. Right. Everybody wants to play well and, and rally the seniors the best you can and uh, and go out and don't pay attention too much to the, uh, you know, the social media because the players are going to, they're going to, they're going to hear it all. They're going to see it all right. when they're off the field and away from meetings. Uh, so you certainly don't want to uh, add to that in your meetings and practice, just grind it, focus the best you can. Yeah, there are going to be some guys at team that are not going to be there. They're right. not going to uh, do the right things. But you can't worry about those. Embrace the guys that, that are. Embrace the guys that you know are working as hard as they can and lean on those guys and uh, and get through it. You know, just get through it. Stay positive. Don't let things uh, affect you. Uh, they really don't. Uh, just go out there and you know, with a single purpose on preparing a team the best you can to play the very best game you can to uh, put yourself in a position to win. Uh, is it easy? No, it's not easy. But Special you know, team? Go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, what are your choices? I mean, that's that's how I would handle it, you know. And, you know, again, we had to do it at SMU, you know, it's and uh, the guys did a great job. We were ready to play. We were ready to play Virginia, and they called to cancel the game uh, because of COVID. They had too many guys that were out. So yep. we didn't get a chance to play that bowl game. Special teams coordinator Daniel DePrada's named the interim coach. Uh, 
I know, I've met him a few times. Good guy. I think he'll he'll do a good job. He's very energetic. He'll do a really good job keeping them keeping them motivated these last three weeks or so. So uh, again, t- be interesting to see what candidates emerge. Um, you know, who knows? That'll be something that that we'll we'll talk about down the road. But uh, you know, change it change down here in Tampa, South Florida. All right, you listen to the uh, coaching the kicker segment presented by Beefo Brady's with Coach Jim Levitt. Beefo Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue for all your sporting needs, watching needs. We've got the World Cup coming up, football, hockey, basketball. Coach, what's your favorite sport outside of football? Football. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like hockey. Okay. I, I really enjoyed the, the Lightning last year, and, and I I haven't got to a game yet this year because I've been going to the Bucks games. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But I, I really, really like hockey. I, I really do. Um, you know, of course, you know, I was a head track coach in college. Okay. So field is, uh, you didn't know that, did you? I yeah. did not. <laughs> coach of the year, in fact, one year, cause I could recruit. <laughs> was that more, was that at mornings? Were you, was that at Morningside? It was, and we, we finished 11th in the country. Wow. Uh, I had some really good, I had Charles Johnson from Tampa King high school, a great hurdler, brought him <laughs> up and Todd Smith and, uh, Jeff Smith, two, uh, great runners. Uh, from uh, Lakewood High School. Nice. And I had another really Daryl Thomas from uh, Gibbs High School. Tremendous quarter miler, and uh, we ran the four <laughs> by one, four by four. We had good hurdlers, so we did we did uh, we did well. I had a fun group. Very cool. All right, so I know you were at the Bucks game yesterday. Let's talk about the wild finish in Raymond James Stadium. Our boy Tom Brady does it again. I want to talk defensively. Last drive of the game by the Rams. Very soft coverage. I was shocked. You know, the Bucks hit that one 15 or 20-yard ball to Otten up the seam. And then, then after that, I was shocked how soft and how easy they made it for the Bucks to get out of bounds, especially the Bucks had no timeouts. If you keep the Bucks in bounds one time, you probably win the game because there's just not enough time to run the plays. How surprising were you to, were you to see that the Rams were as soft as they were on the outside? Well, yeah, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the calls were and what they were doing with it all, but um, they played such good defense the whole game. Then, but that's Tom Brady. I mean, people can give him a hard time all they want this year that maybe, you know, he's what he's gone through and all the distractions. But, you know, I was, I was at the 49ers when we played Brady when he, he was at New England, and we were beating him pretty good. And in the second half, exactly that happened. He got hot. And they came storming back, and it was like there was nothing we could do. We tried man-to-man zone. We tried everything, but Brady was just Brady. And we ended up winning the game. It was an unbelievable game, but we couldn't stop him. And Brady gets hot. He gets going. You know, they might have got into some tighter, you know, obviously they're going to second guess themselves today. Um, but boy, you know, he, he's just, he's just good. And now, now they've got hope again. I was going to say, does this, a win like this, a drive like that, you, in both at the college level and the pro level, does that, that galvanize an organization, a program? When you win a game like that, you got a guy that you know, this guy, we know he's great. But he hadn't been showing it. He's shown it now. He's great again. Uh, one drive, how how much the momentum of a season can change. It can. And hopefully it will for them. You know, I mean, Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. You know, and 
the farther he gets away and gets probably focused in on what he's doing and all the distractions, because you can you can only imagine right what he went through. I, I mean, it's it's remarkable. And uh, if he gets going again and get, gets a, gets some uh, confidence in that team, yep. You know, Tampa's got players now. They do they really good players, and I there's no reason they can't make the playoffs. And no, then when you get absolutely. you know. You know, you don't know what might happen. You get a hot at the right time, and you got a quarterback like that. And give the defense credit. Todd Bowles, the defense, played really well yesterday, much better. They gave up the one big play to Cooper Cup, but other than that, they played really well on defense. Oh, I, I, they, they did, and and Cooper made some really – I mean, he gets open. He just does a great job of that. And You know, it was interesting because I've been watching a few of the games, and the Rams, they ran that stretch play, and, they you know, you cut it back to daylight. And they had some success, and that's that's the play, the running play that a lot of people are starting to have success against the Bucks with. So yeah. I know that is hard. That's hard because all you do is you, you reach for, for the front side and cut off the back side, and you got that you got that crease behind the nose or behind the tackle. And um, but I I thought it was a heck of a game. It was. Both these played well. Uh, Justin Hollins, number fifty eight for the Rams, played for me at Oregon. It was fun watching him, one of the outside linebackers. So. It was it was fun for me to watch that game and had my girls and we had a great time. So Bucks win and all good. That's right. That's right. All right, let's, all right, let's get to some of the Florida action. We only got a not a whole lot of time left here. All right, Florida goes to A and M and wins forty one twenty four. Good good job by Billy Napier to step on a team that's down. A and M had some flu issues that ran through the team. Florida went in there, took care of business. Good job, Florida. Let's get to um to the two games I want to get to FSU Miami. The Seminoles go down and put a beat down on uh, the Hurricanes, 45-3. Just a th- dominant performance from all aspects by the Seminoles. Just your thoughts watching some of that game, which I'm sure you probably saw a little bit of that game. Well, Miami's not very good. Right. <laughs> you know, you know they've got more talent with their showing. Something's wrong. Quarterback situation, you know, the one quarterback they brought in, good. That yep. Now he's, um, you know, he's hurt with his shoulder or arm and, they just they're just not real good, and Florida State is they needed that because Florida State lost three in a row. Yep, they don't play a big rival like this, and they just absolutely put it on them. And Benson ran well, and I mean I I was really impressed. I watched that game. I didn't watch all of it, but watched most of it, and um, it was um, I mean they just they just beat the dog out of them. You know Miami's got work to do. You know there's no doubt about it. I mean, just a year ago they won. I mean, they well, it was a year. I don't know what their record was a year ago, the year before, and you know, and they fired their coach. And yeah, you know, I I'm surprised they're, they're, they can't be this bad. You know, so you know, but they're not showing good things. You know, and Florida State just got after them. Good job, Florida State. Florida State goes to six and three. Miami goes to four and five. Uh, you know, Florida State's obviously going to have the showdown at the end. Not showdown, but big game at the end of the year with Florida. That'll be an interesting game with them in Florida. Yeah, I- so that's yes. gonna be I that'll be a that'll be a good one. That will Richardson's playing better for Florida now, more consistent. Yes, yes. He's, he played well again on Saturday in, in college station. It'll be interesting yeah. to see it, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does at the end of the year. If he if he stays another year, if he goes to the draft, it'll be very interesting to see what he does because you see glimpses of brilliance, but then you also right. see the inconsistency of just not playing a lot of football. So let's go right. to the other big game we talked about last week. UCF the ch- ch- very good win at Memphis, 35-28. They, they get through that game. It was a back-and-forth game the whole time. 
Mickey Keene comes in, has kind of taken over the quarterback job there, throwing the ball more at Central Florida than they were before. They were running it a lot. Now they're throwing a little bit more. Very impressive win by Gus Malzahn, 35-28. At Memphis, that's a huge win. And I told you last week, don't be surprised if Memphis doesn't win that game. And I know it would be a tough one. Uh, Nothing surprised me about that game. I could have seen Memphis winning that game. And that's a a heck of a win for Central Florida. It really is. And uh, they've done a good job there, you know, with with that, that program. That program is, you know, you know, they're in the Big 12 now. You got to give them all credit for that. Yep. You know, certainly has positioned themselves to uh, to go into a, you know, into a heck of a conference. So, you know, there's sets, now, up, a sh- sets up a showdown this week at Tulane. That's this is probably going to decide who goes to the title game here in the AAC. So huge game at Tulane in New Orleans. I don't know if you know Willie Frist, but he's done a really good job at Tulane. Talk about that going on the road again, a second week in a row. You're having to go on a road on the road to a big game. This is for all the marbles. Again, as a head coach, you beat Memphis. Now you got to get rid of Memphis. Now all the concentration's got to be on Tulane. Right away. I mean, right away. You can't be thinking about Memphis at all. On the way back, you know they're breaking down film of Tulane. And certainly the the uh, analysts and the GAs were breaking it down uh, you know, two or three days ago. And you got to get your team. In fact, in the locker room, after they beat Memphis, I'm sure Gus told the team and talked about Tulane a little bit in that locker room. Uh, it, that would be uh, a good thing to do, I think. I always did. You, you bring up the team you're going to play right away next week. I think Tulane, because their defense, you know, I got to believe Tulane might win that game now. It's going to be a close game, I think. I, I, I think it'll be very similar to the Memphis game, but going to Tulane and be on the road again. And, but, you know, Central Florida is a good team. So, you know, and then Central Florida closes it out, I guess, what, at, uh, at South Florida. So, right. you know, um, well, I don't know if that's – yeah, I, I don't know. They might have another game in there somewhere. I think Yeah, I think there's one more. After, I think it's Tulane, somebody else, than South Florida. But yeah. your point well taken. If you're UCF, you can't be looking ahead if you're too – and get, let's give Tulane credit. People don't realize after Hurricane Katrina, what, 17, 18 years ago, that program was decimated with what happened in New Orleans, everybody leaving. So what a job by that administration, that program, Willie Frisk coming in several years ago, building that thing back up. Now they're a ranked team. What a job. Yeah, I've done a great job. And, and again, I was a defense corner at SMU last year playing Tulane. We beat them, but I was really worried going to the game. I thought what they did offensively, I thought really – uh, was difficult. It was a challenge uh, getting ready for him. We ended up playing well. We ended up beating him pretty good. But, um, you know, uh, Tulane that year didn't win many games, but every game came down the wire. And that just shows the demeanor and the foundation of their program. Uh, those players are going to play hard. And, um, you know, that's the main thing you've got. When you build a foundation, any program, you you, you have to make sure that your, your players are playing hard. You know, there's No matter what, that they lay it out there. And a lot of times people don't realize what playing hard really is. Right. What a strain on every snap uh, to really understand what that is. Uh, and there's a lot of ways you can teach that, you know, and uh, uh, that's one thing Tulane has done a great job of. And mention one more thing. We'll get out of here. FIU went to North Texas and got beat pretty soundly. You know, that wasn't unexpected. They were, they were a heavy underdog. But again, interesting game coming up. I think FIU and FAU. I think play right. this week. I believe, right? I think this week down uh, down south. So 
Uh, again, you were part yeah. of that FAU program. You know that program a little bit. Is, is that a rivalry for them? Is that a big, big rival for them? Well, you know, we talked about it. We beat FIU pretty bad when I was, when I was there, you know, and um, uh, the, I think FAU will get after him. I think La Tech, something was strange with La Tech when FIU beat them. Something, um, because La Tech came back, I think, in one last week. Uh, yeah. They maybe were out, out certain players or something. It was just, I didn't understand that one. Or FIU just happened, like we say, any one game, you know. But I think FAU will beat them, uh, beat them pretty good. I really do. I think they'll get after them pretty good. All right, Coach. Great job this week. Again, uh, any any fun plans for the week? Well, you know, the girls are done with that 707, so that's over. And uh, so it's, um, you know, I uh, uh, just football, like always, <laughs> you know, watching watching people play. And uh, SMU comes in, plays South Florida this Saturday. And, you know, yep. that was the team I was with last year. Yeah. So I saw those players, you know, and it'll uh, be interesting just, you know, watching those guys and uh, seeing them. I'm, you know, it'll be it'll be fun to just watch that from afar. But um, other than that, no, you know, just watching football like uh, everybody else. Want to give a shout out to all the veterans out there. Friday's Veterans Day. Want to give a shout out to all the all you all, everybody who served, either present or past. Thank you for your service, Coach. I know obviously with Tampa being such a big military town, I'm sure you had many involvements over the years with people in McDill Air Force Base and such, and your different travels around the country. Just t- take a quick twist quick uh comment about the about the military community huge huge deal and i was able to meet some of the top generals in the united states that were uh that were at the uh uh we were at mcdill and of course my dad retired at mcdill okay you know, air force family so mcdill is a big deal and we used to always go out to athletic day out there and uh and we had our coaches in fact uh do some uh, events and uh, compete with some of the uh, some of the, the, you know, the servicemen or airmen or whatever at the, at the base, yep. uh, big deal. A uh, number of times some generals came out to our practices yep. and I'm really impressed at the Bucks game. They had a lot of those, a lot of people did, um, uh, you know, did, uh, you know, did a commitment uh, to the military right, right out there at the American flag flying in. It was really neat. So anyway, that's, that was, that's a neat deal. Yeah, I know. Great job for the Bucks and the whole community. So, Coach, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? All right. We'll see you, Jason. Okay. Florida Football Insiders Podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's. Beefo Brady's at the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue in Tampa in the Carrollwood and Forest Hills area. For all of your football, baseball, basketball, hockey, viewing pleasures, check out Beefo Brady's. Every day of the week, they're open. Whether you're wanting to watch games on Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, your favorite hockey team, your favorite college basketball team, NBA team, check out Beefo Brady's. If you're looking for any catering needs, corporate events, things like that, Beefo Brady's can help you as well. They do all the things you need to be done in the restaurant and sports bar business. So Beefo Brady's, corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Enjoy the podcast. Now a word from our partners at... Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. 
She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation, reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205 790-1404. All right, welcome back, Florida Football Insiders Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed our chat with Jim Levitz, uh, talking all things this weekend, wild weekend in the world of college football. Now we are going to kind of zoom in on the state of Florida a little bit more, deep dive. We're going to talk to Matt Merchell. He's from the Orlando Sentinel. He covers the Seminoles, who had coming off their big win, and he also covers UCF, who's got a huge game this week against Tulane. So welcome back to the podcast, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, let's talk uh, again. Let's we got the two probably the two best teams in the state here that with about four games to go here. And uh let's let's hit on Florida State Miami first, then we'll get to UCF. Big win for Florida State. The, probably the I know the biggest margin of victory in a long, long time for Florida State. I think it's the biggest margin ever in the series uh, by Florida State. I know Miami beat Florida State pretty good a couple of years ago. I think by the same margin, forty-two, I believe. But uh, talk to me about just the, the the overall sentiment coming out of Tallahassee following the game Saturday night. Well, I, I think this was you know Mike Norvell talked a little bit about this morning after. You know, they they getting ready for this game week going into the Syracuse game that this was a big win, not just because it was a rivalry game, not because it was the next win. It was a big win for the program. You know, I mean, this is something that they're trying to get this program back to where it used to be, back to be consistency with winners, um, you know, to have a win against your rival, to do it as convincingly as they did. There was no doubt whatsoever. Um, you know, they, they were in control of that game from the very start. Um, you got to see some of the players play at that elite level. You know, Mike Norvell said this was probably one of their most complete games of the year. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it was the most complete game. He felt like they had every, every, every aspect of the game, they played well. The offense was great. The defense was able to make some key stops. That that goal line stop, you know, uh, late in the game, you know, was, was, was key for them. I think just more in a sense of building, you know, onto that. Um, so it was a big win. And I think, you know, when you look at the fact that not only is now Florida State bowl eligible for the first time since 2019, but now, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing what Mike Nervell has been preaching for the last two and a half years is just patience, consistency, and you're going to see that growth. And you're seeing that growth now. And now they look at the schedule. Syracuse has struggled. They're favored against Syracuse. They're going to be favored against Louisiana and more than likely probably be favored against Florida. 
So there's a possibility Florida State could finish with nine wins this season. That would be the most since 2016. Um, and that would be huge for Mike Norvell, not just wins and losses, but huge for the recruiting, yes. huge for boosters, huge for all that stuff. So I, I think that's where you come away from this win, not just the big, the fact it's a rival, but what it all means for the program as a whole. No doubt. I think the recruiting aspect is huge, especially if they can beat Florida. Um, clearly, they'd be the number one team in the state this year as far as record and quality of wins and all that good stuff. And again, I was very impressed. Business-like, very business-like. The, the point you made about keeping them out of the end zone at the end. I know they gave up a field goal, but to keep a, keep a, bit, a rival out of the end zone, you keep holding to three points in their own building. You know, a lot of Florida State fans, you could tell on TV, were in the building down in Miami and uh, they're starting to get some of that allure back in the program. Yeah, very much so. You know, and Mike Norvell talked last week about this idea of he knew this going into this game, there was going to be a lot of emotion. It's a rivalry game. You know, you look at what they've done over the last couple of years. He knew there would be emotion there. You're on the road. You're playing in front of a hostile crowd. He was really happy today about this idea that they handled their emotion really well. There's only a couple of times maybe where they got to let things get out, but they were very businesslike, as you mentioned. And that was what he wanted to see from this team. He wanted to see them understand, listen, we're going to come to this, this stadium. We're here to win the game. We're going to get the win and we're going to move on. And he said even before the game, he had this funny feeling this team was going to win the game. It was it was just that focus, laser-like focus. You saw Jordan Travis perform like you'd like to see him. You saw Trey Benson. Your receivers played well. Your offensive line, again, has been has, has been outstanding. The defense is able to get to, you know, a lot of the Miami quarterbacks. They had, what, three quarterbacks they had to use because right. of injuries. So, you know, again, in, in the end, this is what Mike Norvell has been preaching the last couple of years. They're starting to see that payoff. And like you mentioned, recruiting is going to be huge. They, they had a lot of recruits down there. They were able to make a big impression on some of those South Florida recruits. That's going to be huge as they continue to try to add to this recruiting class, which is a top 20 recruiting class right now. And again, the other part of this whole process, especially the recruiting process, is the NIL and, and, and the transfer portal. You're going to have lots of guys from different programs looking to move on. And again, more opportunity there is at Florida State, the more chance, the opportunity that bigger time players are going to want to come to Tallahassee and be part of the rebirth of what, what Coach Norville has going. You're going to probably have some guys from the Miami and Florida programs looking to move. Obviously, you have some other guys from around the Southeast some other programs that are in flux that will probably be looking to move as well. So I think Florida state will be another attractive option come in the, in the transfer portal. Oh, very much. So I, I don't think that, you know, Mike Norvell is going to be done using the transfer portal. He's done a, a really excellent job the last couple of years using the portal to not only just restock the roster, but he added a lot of key depth and he had a lot of key experience and explosiveness. So I think they're going to continue to use that. He's going to recruit really hard. Don't get me wrong. He wants to be one of the top teams in the state, again, recruiting-wise, getting those type of, of players. But I think he also understands it's a new dawn when it comes to college football, and you're going to have to get those transfers. And how do you get those transfers? Well, you look, you, you showcase what you're trying to do. Right. And if you could do that by having these big convincing wins, and this hasn't been an explosive offense. This is what Mike Norvell was kind of brought to Florida State to do, is bring up an explosive offense you're going to get those playmakers. And I think that's one of the things that this win like this kind of does for them. All right. So we think, so we think Syracuse should, again, Syracuse is kind of going the other way. They started out great and really struggled the last couple of weeks. Again, tricky spot up going up to the carrier dome. You never, you know, obviously the it's an indoor facility. So you have to worry about the weather, but just again, if you're Florida state business, like take care of business on a team that you're better than. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, listen, you know, Syracuse is, like you said, going the, the, on, the, on the other side, falling back a little bit. They've had some injuries at quarterback. Garrett Schrader was banged up. Yeah. Tommy DeVito's come in. Um, you know, they look around and, um, you know, again, this is a, 
a, a team right now, Syracuse, that you know has a strong defense. They're going to try to run the football. Sean Tucker is one of the better running backs in the country. Yep. They're going to try to run the football. If you're Florida State, you want to continue to do the things you've been doing that's been successful. You want to, one, get pressure on the quarterback. You want to stop their running game. And I think the thing that really stood out to me is you want to be able to find a way to, to keep them out of the red zone if you can. Keep them from scoring in the red zone. Offensively, you want to continue to do what you've been doing. Explosive plays. Get Trey Benson involved. Have him do some of the running that he was done. You know, get the ball to Johnny Wilson. Get the ball to those, those exciting playmakers, Micah Pittman. Let them take advantage of those situations. As long as you can protect Jordan Travis and you can kind of punch those big holes and create that running room, those gaps, I think Florida State's got an opportunity to win this game. All right, let's transition to your, your hometown where you're at in Orlando. UCF is right in the hunt. A very good win on, on the road at Memphis over the weekend. A lot of people thought that was a upset brewing to happen there. Uh, they got the huge game coming up Saturday against Tulane. Probably will decide who's in the in the championship game. Just give me give give us a little sense of what's going on in Orlando with UCF and Gus Malzahn. Yeah, you know, I, I going into this past weekend, I thought this was going to be a trap game. I mean, I'm not saying they weren't going to win, but I yeah. felt like this was an opportunity for them to to slip up. They're coming off an emotional win against Cincinnati at home. They lost their starting quarterback. They had a backup playing. You could see them maybe looking past this Memphis team to look at Tulane. A little bit like what happened at East Carolina earlier in the year, you know, where they, they struggled at East Carolina. That didn't happen. You know, again, they it wasn't as clean of a game, I think, as Gus Malzahn wanted. But again, they came out with, with Mikey Keene, their backup quarterback, started the game. He was able to move the ball efficiently. Uh, they ran the ball really well. R.J. Harvey's a great story, a kid who missed all last season because he blew out his knee in fall camp. You know, he comes back. He had a, a huge game, 150-some yards, 152 yards. Um, they were able to run the football well. When they run the ball well like they did, that opens up their passing game with some explosive plays. They got the ball to Ryan O'Keefe, you know, Javon Baker, you know, Kobe Hudson, their playmakers. And that kind of was able to handle some things defensively, not as clean as I think they would have liked to have seen. They did get a couple of interceptions and they did, you know, stop, you know, Memphis late, but I think there's some opportunities there for cleanup. And you're right. You're right. They're going on the road this weekend. This is a key game. They have to win this game. If they want to get control of the American, they, they need this win. If they beat Tulane on the road, They've got the control of the top spot. And you know Tulane and Cincinnati face each other again later on in a couple of weeks. That's really going to decide probably who the number two team is. So this is a must win for UCF. I mean, they really do. They can't afford another loss. If they lose this game, they're probably going to be out of that discussion. And people, if you're not following college football, folks, Tulane undefeated and ranked. This yeah. is not a this is not a bad Tulane team. This team's really good. Willie Frisch doing a great job at Tulane. Don't be surprised if he gets a bigger job at the end of this year. Um, he's going to be in the mix in some other Power Five jobs. This is the legit Tulane team. Yeah, very much so. You know, I mean, I, I think you know Willie Fritz has always been in my mind one of the more underrated coaches. You know, college football. The job he's done at Tulane has been outstanding. He is going to get a Power Five job at some point. But you look at this year how they performed. Um, you know, the only thing, the only knock you maybe we can make on them is their schedule. You know, I mean, you know they haven't played you know the, the toughest of games so far. They've had one really good tough game. Um, so this is going to be a challenge for them. And, you know, again, it's at home, you know, they're, they're a team that likes to create turnovers. They're going to try to do that as well. They're going to, they're going to keep UCF, try to slow UCF down. Um, we're not sure who's going to play quarterback for UCF this week. It could either be Mikey Keene or it could be John Rice Plumley. You know, Gus Malzahn said this morning that it's a day-to-day -day situation and he wasn't willing to, to kind of reveal who that quarterback is going to be. I wouldn't shock me if he, that didn't happen until Saturday, right before kickoff, you know, before they find out who's going to be quarterback. Um, and it's an interesting dilemma for him because, you know, Mikey Keene, a much ac better accurate passer, yes. can really get the ball down the field, made some really tight throws against Memphis that I don't think John Rice Plumley could have made. 
But John Rex Plumney can can obviously use his legs more. He can take off if there's pressure in the, in the backfield, um, but not a very accurate passer. And so this is probably the biggest decision Gus has had for a couple of years now is who's going to be the starting quarterback in this game. Because if he picks John Rex Plumley, who started the first seven games, and they lose or he struggles and they lose, then you're going to go give it second guess from fans. You say, why didn't you stick with the hot hand? If he goes with Mikey Keene yeah. and Mikey Keene struggles, then people are going to say, why didn't you go with the guy who was, who's your starter for the first seven games? So it's going to be a big, huge challenge for Gus. I think he understands that. I think you're, I think you go with the hot hand and you can then intertwine Reese Pumley in short yardage goal line stuff where you can use his legs where he's an extra runner in the running game. But I think you got to keep Mikey Keene in there. Cause like you said, the accuracy in the passing game, I mean, I think this is a situation where you could use them, play them both and, you know, placate them both and still get an effective game plan out of it. Yeah, I, I agree because I think, you know, again, Mikey's a guy that, you know, he's got a better arm. He reads defenses a little bit better. Um, he's a guy that isn't afraid to make the throw. Um, not that John Rice is, but, you know, I mean, I think when you're an accurate arm, I mean, you, you can do that. So I agree with you. I think, you know, Mikey Keene starts if it was me. Again, I don't get paid that kind of money, but you know, if it's me, I, I start Mikey Keene, and then I, I throw John Rice out there just for some certain situations. You know, maybe get him in in, in a you know third and short situation. Yep. Maybe put him in there when you're doing a fourth fourth and short goal line, red zone, anything like that where maybe you could take advantage of that. Um, I, I think you got to throw him out there and do that, and, and that way, then both guys are placated and your offense still runs efficiently. And if you're Tulane, you got to prepare for them both. They're different guys. Yeah, John's Very- the runner, and then you got Mikey Keene's the thrower. So again. Obviously, that's just more for the Tulane defense to prepare for. What do you, do you get? Um, is the excitement level in, in Orlando get, getting bigger and bigger here now that we're getting to the to the finish line? I think it is, especially when UCF was in the and came out in the uh, the the college football playoff rankings last week at you know, top twenty five. Um, you know, I don't think anyone expected that here in Orlando. I think yep. they felt like they weren't going to be there, so they come in at twenty five. So you know, event that's you have an opportunity now if the Memphis win, you're going to get probably after. You know, the next rankings, they're probably going to get up to maybe in the 22, 23 range. Right. Uh, all of a sudden, now you're right there and you're talking about, okay, Cotton Bowl still is a very realistic you yeah. know, place to go to now. If you can find a way to get that top spot, you beat Tulane, you know, all UCF has left is Navy and USF. And USF yeah. just fired their coach and yeah. they're having one of the worst seasons. So I think there's an opportunity. If they beat Tulane, UCF goes in that championship game as the number one seed. Again, that's, that's, the, that's the challenge this week. And then they know that Tulane and Cincinnati – both have to face each other again. So whoever wins that game, more than likely is going to be the second team. And if you've beaten those two guys, right. that's going to feel good. And you're going to host the championship. Game. I was so, going to, yeah, that was my next question. Yeah. That's a hope so, that you, the number one seed hosts that championship yes. game, correct? So, so yes, number one seed will host. So that would be huge for UCF. And like I said, again, the opportunity to get back to a Cotton Bowl in year three under Gus Malzahn would be just, you know, unbelievable for this program. And it's another national if they and if they get to a championship game at home, it's a nationally televised game. Again, amps up the recruiting access and the exposure for the program. And I know that conference doesn't get a ton of big time national exposure, which that that championship game will be on national TV where everybody will see it. Yeah, and I think you're going into the Big Twelve next year. Let's not forget. So right. for if you're UCF, you would love that opportunity to show, say, hey, we won a, a conference championship, the last American conference championship yep. we could win. We, we got that. We got into the New Year's Six game. We're going into the Big 12 riding really high. And, you know, I, the, ultimately to me, it would be amazing if it was UCF and Cincinnati again, you know, because those are two teams are both going to the Big 12. So, but we'll see what happens. So I think UCF fans are super excited right now. They understand exactly what's on the table. Um, and they and they know it's a big game. They know that Tulane's just not going to be a pushover. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. I know FSU, FSU, and of all things, FSU and UCF play on the, on the hardwood here the, later in the week. 
Give, give, uh, just I know they're tell us tell us where the game is and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Florida State's going to go on the road. They're going to come to Orlando the, on Friday to take on UCF in basketball. It's an interesting game. You know, Florida State's a team right now that is coming off of a, a, a really bad year, 17-14. You know, they were hit really hard by injuries. Um, they had to rely on a lot of young guys that they weren't really anticipating relying on. They had to assume bigger roles. Um, where his UCF team is is basically you know, the roster's pretty much been turned over. It's a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that came into the transfer portal. Um, so this is going to be kind of an early test to see where these two teams are at right now. Um, I, I wouldn't know if I take too much from this game, you know, whether it means like big, the big picture wise. But again, the one key storyline that keep an eye on is, is Darren Green, who is now at Florida State. He played at UCF the last three years. Okay. He transferred to Florida State. He's a hot shooting uh, guard. Um, I think he's making his first appearance home, obviously, or first appearance back to UCF. So I'm sure there's going to be interest w- with that uh, as well. All right, Matt, tell me where they can find your great work online with your Orlando Sentinel. Uh, go to orlandosentinel.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at OS Matt Rochelle. And if you're watching us on YouTube, the video, you can see his YouTube handle right in the back behind him that at OS Matt Marshall. Again, Matt does a great job covering all things Orlando sports. He does a little Orlando magic. He does lots of different things for Orlando, but his main primary focus is this time of the year is Florida state UCF. So great work, Matt. Appreciate the time. We'll probably have you on as we get ready for that Florida, Florida state game in a couple of weeks. So appreciate the time. No problem. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great week. We'll be right back. Florida Football Insiders Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Florida Football Insiders Podcast as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Net- Network. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you've not already done so. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at Sports. Love to hear your comments and feedback about our episodes and any program suggestions moving forward. Check out our video interviews as well on my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. And we'll see you next week on the Florida Football Insiders Podcast.